3: So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
4: Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app, by searching FSR.
5: This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio.
4: Last night was a great night for sports. a celebration of sport in, uh, in Iowa where they had the Field of Dreams game. Now look, it, baseball still can't get out of its own way, blacking it out in the state of Iowa. Like, look, the thing had been sold out for months. Did you really win by blacking it out? Was that really... Necessary, And and as I pointed out on Twitter, um, my job covering all of sports, but mostly college basketball, I've done college football and NFL football as well. I I get to travel all throughout this country. And uh, like Des Moines, Des Moines is the best city to live in. You've never ever considered living in. People in Iowa, they're like, it's like I always say it's about people in Nebraska. It's almost uncomfortable how nice they are. Like, why are you being... Why are you being this nice to me? You shouldn't be this nice to me. Not at all. So I, I do think that while the storytelling was epic, uh, I thought the visuals were amazing. Hell, we ended up with a stock off home run. I like, can't get any better than that. Like, to me, I'm sitting there going like this can only happen in Iowa because people in Iowa are kind of sneaky awesome. Right. They are. But but it it worked because this is what baseball is, who baseball is. You know we, we have so many people trying to change baseball. W- why? Why? I have a I got a a dear friend of mine who just moved into my area, and I think tomorrow night he's going to the Angel game. Now look, I'm an Angel fan. I'm like, oh, here's the deal: you're going to go there. They're going to have great players, and with the exception of like once every 15, 20 years, you know, they had that run where they were really competitive, right? But with the exception of, you know, every couple, you know, for a couple years in 20, they're going to be 500. They're going to have great players. The stadium is not anything special. They obviously got to build a new one, but it's a great place to take a family on on a weeknight or Saturday night in the summer. Like baseball is one of those places where, and I, I thought it was. Did you guys see the video of the guy behind home plate who missed the walk-off home run because he's looking at his phone? Did you guys see that? It's like per. It's like a perfect embodiment of baseball. Is it is slow, but it is interesting. It allows you to have a conversation. It allows you to uh to to kind of feel the lore of your childhood. And yeah, I know fewer kids are playing little league than maybe they used to. Still, kids play a ton of baseball. But th- this is who and what baseball is at its roots, at its core. It's still a great game. It has incredible young players, and it's kind of midwestern, down home, family. Like I don't know, it all kind of makes sense to me. I-, I heard Cowherd talk about. Well, you know, you saw the celebrations last night. Baseball has to. No, ba- baseball has never not wanted celebrations. Baseball has never. It, this whole idea of playing games the right way—that's not only a baseball thing. This is this is a let, let's have the real conversation. Hey, okay? it's no different than the NFL player that goes over the top, and now they're trying to take away taunting. We want celebrations. We just don't want taunting. We like celebrations in baseball. you just don't need to taunt, right? You you like him in basketball, but you don't want a taunt. It's amazing that we aren't connecting dots. Let me help connect them for you. It's like, you remember those connect the dots things like that's so easy. Why can't you? But when you're in the moment and you're staring right at it, you can't see it. Or or one of those um, pieces of art where if you hold it right in front of your face, you can't see it. And then you pull it back a couple inches. And you're like, oh, oh, I I see the design within the design. Two days ago, I had Jermaine O'Neal on. And I watched the documentary on the malice of the palace. And one of the points that shouldn't be lost is like, look, Ben Wallace starts throwing his headbands at the Indiana Pacers. And, and and what do fans do what players do? And then kids do what fans and players do. And so the idea of tossing your stuff at guys, and then some dude tosses a cup We copy what we see on TV. We've all people have always done that. When I was a little kid, my favorite player was Bobby Hurley. And Bobby Hurley used to do this thing when he was at when somebody else is at the free throw line to catch his breath. Instead of having his hands on his hips, he would have like his wrists on his hips and his hands like behind his back pointed outwards. And that's how he used to stand. I used to stand that way. So the 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 point is last night was great. It was great baseball. It was organic celebrations. There wasn't the taunting. There was no grabbing at the nuts. There was no charging the mound. There was no. Uh, there wasn't the excessive bat flips. Yet, ever bit as exciting as any baseball game I can ever remember being. And the storytelling and Buck and Smoltz, the Hulk. It was great. But like, let's not get it twisted. That's baseball. That's how baseball has always been. And the question is, can you make more games important? Can you make more games a must-see? Can you figure out ways to get our attention? Because when you do, we parachute and go like, oh, yeah, hey, baseball is kind of awesome, and, God, these players are bigger, stronger, faster, better than they've ever been. But to anyone who's like, yeah, that's baseball breaking out of its shell, and, no, it's not. Baseball is still baseball. They still blacked it out in Iowa. I don't know why. You know? and look as popular as it was the cubs are the more popular team in the it, obviously the uniforms didn't fit and the narrative of course of what you were going to see with joe jackson and the shoeless shoeless joe coming out of the cornfield all that all that stuff i mean it would've been even uh, the numbers i think would have been even more insane even though the cubs stink now if the cubs were in it but it was a great baseball game it was perfection Game leading home run, the top of the ninth, game winning home run, bottom of the ninth, can't be any better. But let's not act like baseball acted like something it wasn't last night. That's what baseball is. Incredible sport. Still the best place to take your family of any of the professional sports. Small venues are always better than big venues. Games that matter are always better than volume of games. But what do we, you know, sports has become so expensive and everything is such a business that, The venues are huge. They're crazy expensive. And oh yeah, by the way, we had to play 162 games in order to pay the bills. Here's Joe Buck on uh, Tim Anderson's stock off home run. Anderson
5: hits it.
1: Well you can throw
6: the party but you never know how it's going to turn out.
5: <laughs> it's unreal. And how about six runs on the board in the ninth inning alone and the White Sox with a walk off nine eight win. This was some kind of night for baseball.
4: What a baseball game! What a night! What a great job of of showing it by by Fox TV. A- absolutely outstanding.
5: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at three PM Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeart Radio app.
7: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi Fi? Oh, my, look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance
0: for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at slash with Amex. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales event. So give your friends something to look at, like a BB with an ocean view
8: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Here's what we're going to do, okay? Uh, We'll work in Isaac as well, but... I want you to feel like you turn on my show and the stuff I get, I don't just pull out of my rectum, right? Like it's not, you know, try to talk to as many people in the NFL as possible. People who cover the game, people who are part of teams, texting some of these coaches and front office people. And we want to bring some of that information to you. Look, when, when what you're going to have is now, we're just getting bombarded with, with preseason games. And so all you will see is the highlights and, numbers they don't mean anything what means something is guys the people that men and women that cover these teams on a daily basis they know what, what the battles for the important positions they know how the coaches really feel about their teams and their players and i want you to know that after just one preseason game we'll try and do it throughout the season we call it i got a guy hey, hey.
5: We don't know everything, but we know people that know what you want to know, you know?
4: What the hell he say?
5: Sounds like you need a guy. Hey! Hey! I got a guy. I got
4: a guy who covers the Washington football team for NBC Sports. It's J.P. Finley. Um, uh, J.P., like, look, Washington football team, we know what they've built around is that dynamic dy- dynamic defensive front. Um, I think the big question is over their offense. Didn't see a ton of it last night, but uh, the early takeaways, the early returns in Ron Rivera's second-year, first preseason game from the from the tweaks he's made with the offense.
7: Yeah, hey, Doug, thanks for having me. I, I think it all starts with Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? And I think he showed you what you'd like to see in a first preseason game. He was crisp and efficient, 5 of 8 for about 60 yards passing, no picks, no touchdowns. The offense moved pretty well with, with Fitz at the helm, he connected with Terry McLaurin twice. I mean McLaurin had three targets on fourteen snaps. So if you're looking at fantasy numbers, McLaurin's gonna really get some opportunities this year. Tight end Logan Thomas had a really nice catch on a really nice throw from Fitz. Um, Adam Humphreys is a slack guy that they brought in that not a lot of folks are talking about, but I think he can be a pretty useful weapon. Humphreys played with Fitzpatrick back in Tampa and put up pretty good numbers together. Um you know, the Washington defense, like you said, is where they've spent all their draft capital. I mean, they have, to me, a, a guy that could be a future defensive player of the year and Chase Young. He showed that in very limited snaps last night, getting to Cam Newton. So it's all about the offense. If the offense cannot not just be dreadful like they've been the last few years, they could be a threat in the NFC. And I think they, 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 they're starting to put more pieces together and, and – Last night was a glimpse into maybe a unit that could be top twenty or, or even top half of the league. If they can, if they can be the eighteenth best offense in the NFL instead of the twenty eighth best offense in the NFL, they could they could really do some things this season.
4: No question about it. Okay, uh, outside, are uh, are they, they going to play? Are they going to play Chase Young the rest of the preseason because it doesn't. I mean, obviously, you want guys to play together, but we we do know what he does, and he's pretty good at it in live football. Are they going to keep playing these guys? Uh, as Ron Rivera was like, "Look, we're playing our ones. All right, one game we've we've seen him. What about the next two?
7: You know, it, it's interesting to see because that third preseason game has always been the closest to a dress rehearsal, and I think because of the way the schedule sets up, it, there's a two-week gap between the third preseason game and the first. Game. I, I think guys might play in all three of these. I don't know if you see that full two quarters of football for Chase Young at all in the preseason, but I, I think, you know, Washington's really elite players Chase and uh, Terry McLaurin, maybe Montez Sweat, who did not play last night. He, he actually didn't even travel with the team. Um, he stayed in DC with an illness, but I had sources tell me it was not COVID. Um, I think you'll see all those guys get a little bit of work, and then the remainder of the starters will get a real workload. You know, maybe, maybe the whole first half by the time we get to that uh, third preseason game. But I, I expect Ron to keep his guys on the field.
4: What's the biggest position battle going on in camp?
7: Um, I mean, for for the hardcore Washington audience, there's a, a really interesting battle for kind of the. A sixth wide receiver. Um, But but for for a national folks that are wondering what's going to happen, Washington has, I mean, just a a really, really powerful D line, right? And that's where they've really invested. Um, Their first round rookie this year is this kid, Jamin Davis, who looked okay last night. He he still looks like he's figuring things out, but the athletic tools are all all there. Um, The biggest question, I, I think, big picture is at safety. Cam Curl had a really really strong year last year as a seventh-round rookie, and you've got Landon Collins who returned from an Achilles injury in about eight months, which is almost unheard of. So right now, it looks like Collins and Curl are going to be your starting safeties, but both of those guys are are really... Their game is best up near the line of scrimmage. Yeah, they're box safeties. They're kind of lacking that true center fielder. They signed Bobby McCain after he was released from Miami, so then it's like, all right, well, can you get McCain out there? I think they're still figuring out the pieces of their secondary to kind of get their best group out there in their nickel-and-dime packages. But the reality is, you know, there's still two more preseason games and three weeks of practice. Injuries tend to emerge, and some of these questions get answered over time anyway.
4: Excellent stuff. Uh, J.P. Finley, of course, you can follow him on Twitter at J.P. Finley. That's with an A. So F-I-N-L-A-Y-N-B-C-S. Of course, you can follow all his work at NBC Sports Washington covering the Washington football team. J.P., thanks so much for joining us. Great perspective. We really appreciate it.
5: Thanks a lot, Doug. Take care, man. I you got too. A guy.
4: Uh, all right, let's go to NBC Sports Boston. Phil Perry joins us. At Phil A. Perry is his Twitter handle. He covers the Patriots. Phil, let's start with the quarterback, uh, the quarterback position. How'd Cam look this year as opposed to last year?
9: Well, Cam looks better, Doug. There's no question about that. He does look better. And I think part of that is a product of what's around him, right? Maybe the worst set of offensive weapons in the NFL last year, and they've upgraded across the board. You bring in Nelson Aguilar, you bring in Kendrick Bourne, those two guys are probably going to start for you at the receiver position. You bring in two of the, I wouldn't say top four best tight ends in the NFL, but probably two of the top six or seven, and you make them two really highly paid guys at the same time, and quickly – it makes Cam Newton's life a lot easier, whether it's in these training camp reps that we've been watching day after day or in the preseason last night, which I thought was not a horrible night for Cam Newton. I just think there is a there is a ceiling for Cam Newton. I think the Patriots know who Cam Newton is. I think they know what he's capable of, even after a weird year last year. And I think the question now for all of us here in New England is, Does Bill Belichick decide to go with the kid who may have a little bit more upside? And by the time you get to December and January, your most important games of the year, as Bill Belichick has told us for two decades, might be actually a little bit better and and might right now be a better processor in terms of getting the football out of his hands quickly. That's what we've seen this summer. Uh, Do you go with that guy or do you go with what you know? And, And do you feel like there is security in that? And knowing week one, if you have Cam Newton behind center, you're going to be more at ease, and your team is going to be more at ease. That's the decision that faces Bill Belichick right now.
4: I, really, I think. I think week one, it's reasonable to to, to think he goes with Cam, but uh, he had a fairly short he had a shorter leash on Cam last year than any other former MVP. and Now he actually has a guy behind that they're trying to grow. Is, is there any? Is there a scenario where they play them both during the year?
9: That's a great question. I think it's possible. The issue I think you would run into. Uh, there are several, right? I mean, I, I think that position is unlike any other in sports where you are a de facto leader, you are the face of the franchise, and if it looks like the coach might be having a hard time deciding who that player should be and who should be taking that role, the locker room might not know then how to follow, right? Like, not every situation could be Drew Brees, future Hall of Famer, and Taysom Hill, who is the clear number two guy. Uh, I think... What's interesting about this scenario, Doug, is I do think it's in play for Mac Jones to be the week one starter. And the reason I say that is because they have been on such an even playing field through this point in camp. And I would say that extended into last night where we did see Mac Jones with the starting offensive line group for nine snaps. It wasn't a whole lot, but Cam didn't get a whole lot either. He got 12 with the first team offense. And they have been, when I say on an even playing field, they, One guy has not run away with this job yet. And I think we thought that Cam, with the new weapons and another year in the system, he would be the clear and obvious choice to be the number one guy. But that's not what we've seen in training camp. And in my opinion, I think, again, Bill Belichick understanding the the potential for growth in Mac Jones, if you can get him in there early, and understanding, too, as as the team builder here in New England, understanding that you want to try to wring as much as you can out of this rookie contract before you might have to actually re-up the guy and give the guy some real money two or three years down the road if he's a good player. I think if it's even, if it's close, that they would go with the rookie because of the quote-unquote upside, because of the benefits maybe long-term down the line, and because of the financial benefits for your team to get as much as you can out of that that low-money deal. I really do think Bill Belichick would be willing to do that if it's close, and it's been close thus far. That's why I leave the door open for Mac Jones.
4: All right. That has kind of overwhelmed all the national discussion, but you cover this team. What's the biggest position battle uh, that, that you see outside of the quarterback position?
9: So for us, I would say it's not really a position battle, done, but there are two highly drafted players that are still relatively young that I would not be surprised to see elsewhere come September. And number one is Nikhil Harry. Mentioned it off the top. They already yeah. signed two receivers that I think are going to start. Nikhil Harry really has no special teams for all the first-round pick from a couple years ago they thought was going to be a contested catch monster. He hasn't been that. He's had a pretty good camp, but he still doesn't get open. He doesn't separate. In the one-on-ones where you're forced to throw it to the guy and it's a jump-ball situation, he's great. I don't think he's long for this rush. He requested a trade in the offseason, which was laughable to a lot of us here. But I think if he can string together some decent preseason performances, and somewhere, some somebody across the league is interested in him, they will give something up for that guy. Uh, I think the Patriots would jump at the chance to do that. And I also think Sony Michelle, another first-round pick from 2018, could right. be moving on. He's in the last year of his rookie deal. He's yeah, at Damien. Damian- Damien Harris is clearly the number one guy, and they're pretty deep. They have a couple young players that they like as well. I think Sony Michelle could be moving on too
4: awesome stuff. Phil Perry covers the Patriots for a living. Follow him on Twitter at Phil A. Perry. Check out his work in NBC Sports Boston. Phil, enjoy your work and really appreciate you joining us. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Doug. All right, let's get back to I Got a Guy, uh, Mike Kay, Eagles beat writer for the New Jersey Advanced Media. Mike joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Mike, this is supposed to be kind of a rebuild, retool year with a coach that, that underwhelmed, that to say the least, at his first press conference. How the Eagles look when they actually took the field last night?
10: Well, I was impressed by the way that everything looked efficient with the first and second team offense and defense. There was only two series for the, for the offense and one series for the defense. But they played very, very tight football. There were no penalties. The offensive line played well. Jalen Hurts, despite the numbers, looked very efficient and accurate. And the defense got the Steelers' offense off the field in a hurry and then sat down for the rest of the game. Obviously, the second half was kind of a mess with the third stringers, but for the most part, the first two units really showed up under Nick Sirianni. All
4: right, you, you mentioned the numbers. So what actually happened when Jalen Hurts was on the field? Because that's what people do. They just they open up, they look at the numbers. That's why we wanted to have you on. What, what, what particularly impressed you about Jalen Hurts?
10: Well, his accuracy in the middle of the field. When he was in college, both at Alabama and Oklahoma, he struggled at seeing the middle of the field and connecting with tight ends. Off the bat, he you know, scrambled to his right and hit Ertz down the seam for a, for a decent game. Then he checked into another play when he didn't like what the defense showed him, and he fired a beautiful 34-yard floater to Dallas Goddard on an out route. Um, you know, his numbers were three of seven for fifty four yards. Immediately following the Ertz and Goddard throws, he had a kind of slightly off pass to Jalen Rager drops, and then he had a perfect throw across the middle to Ertz drops as well. So if those two passes aren't dropped, you're probably not taking a field goal on that first drive. You're looking at a touchdown. So For the most part, he delivered the ball accurately. He had a a go-ball throw to Quez Watkins that he probably wants back. It was a little too far in front of him. But otherwise, I thought he handled himself very well. He looked competent and confident in the pocket. Also moved around well, as we already know. He's got that mobility. But overall, I thought it was a a promising start for him.
4: All right, uh, Jalen Rager was um, to to say they missed – Last year was an, was a massive understatement. So there's a lot of pressure on him to have a a much better year this year. I've seen kind of mixed reviews with camp. How do you look when there was an actual football game last night?
7: Well, the drop that was a little a little
10: low kind of left you scratching your head. They used him at punt returner. He let two balls bounce within the ten yard line. A coach would tell you that's the smart move, but he got some unlucky bounces, especially with the first team offense having to start at the two yard line for their second series. But he came back, and he bounced back in the second quarter as the Eagles allowed him to play for most of the first half. Had a seven-yard return off a punt. He also had a very nice uh, out route that he ran for a 13-yard game with Joe Flacco, a quarterback, after the game. Nick Sirianni crazed Rager for his route running. He also had another uh, screen pass that he picked up a, a little nice chunk of yardage. I think he's been responding well. A lot of criticism towards Rager has not only just been about his play on the field, but how he's been able to handle criticism and feedback. And I think he's kind of bounced back in ways this year that he wouldn't have last year.
4: Awesome stuff. Really appreciate you joining us. It's going to be interesting to watch the Eagles. Mike K covers the Eagles for the New Jersey Advanced Media. Follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K-K-A-Y-E. Mike, thanks for being our guest. Thanks for having me. I got a guy. Ray Filippaldo joins joins us. He covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette at Ray fit one Ray. People are raving about Dwayne Haskins last night. Um, How competitive do you think he'll ultimately be for the number two quarterback spot?
6: Yeah, Doug, it's interesting. I mean, uh, Dwayne Haskins has played really well and he's made this competition almost on his own. And what I mean by that is Mason Rudolph hasn't played poorly at all. I mean, he was eight for nine for, for 77 yards last night uh, victimized by his offensive lines, penalties, and other miscues. But Dwayne Haskins has been that good. He led the Steelers to uh, four scoring drives on his five possessions last night. And he what he's putting up on the practice field, the tape he's putting out in practice, he is also putting that out there in game. So he, he's been good, and I, I do think that's a legit competition. I'm not going to say Haskins is the leader in the clubhouse, but he has made that a competition based only on his strong play. All
4: right, only three three touches, uh, but what, what's the sense you get in watching Najee Harris if they like what they're seeing from the rookie running back?
6: Uh, they love Najee Harris. I mean, it, it, it's all up to the offensive line. Uh, the, the hype you're hearing about uh, NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, I mean, it's real. If he gets any kind of blocking whatsoever, uh, this guy's going to be terrific. So um, they're rebuilding the offensive line. Uh, they got five new guys in five different positions. So it's going to be a work in progress. But they got their running back of the future, and uh, he's going to be a terrific player if he gets the blocking up front.
4: Uh, last year, I see Dupree and Bush go down. You had big free agency movement as well. The defense so far, uh, where 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 is it, and what's your what's your outlook?
6: You know, it's interesting. You know, they, Vince Williams uh, suddenly retired on the eve of training camp. And, you know, they, they watched some of the guys like Robert Spillane and Ulysses Gilbert take reps throughout the first three weeks of training camp, and they weren't happy. So that's why they went out. They traded for Joe Shobert yesterday. They got another pass coverage linebacker who could help them cover tight ends in uh, running backs out of the backfield. And it's been a weakness for years with the Steelers' defense. They thought they had it solved when Devin Bush uh, was drafted back in 2019. Devin's kind of been up and down. He's had injuries. Uh, kind of a rough night last for, for him last night. So they are hoping Joe Shobert can shore that up. And if he can, you mentioned, they got all the other pieces. They got T.J. Watt. They went out and got Melvin Ingram. They got Cam Hayward and Stephon Tewart up on that line. So, It's a very, very good defense, and uh, you know Kevin Colbert took the steps yesterday to make sure that coverage over the middle was solid, and I think Schober's going to help them out.
4: All right, got about a month between now and that that opener, exactly a month between now and that opener in Buffalo. Should be a very interesting month. Uh, Follow Ray Filippaldo. Okay, that's at R-A-Y-F-I-T-T-1, or just read his work in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Ray, thanks so much for being our guy in the Steel City.
6: All right, Doug. Appreciate it. All right, So you needed a guy? I'm a point guard.
5: We got you a guy. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
11: Hey, it's Ben, host of the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is the Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of the Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry, in media, sports, and more, every week explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone
7: relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my! Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win.
0: Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals.
1: And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.
4: I really like this. There's a big story in college sports. We're going to bring you the CEO of a company that chose to sponsor walk-ons. Plus, we're going to take you to four NFL team cities, from four teams that played last night and get an update on it. Uh, plus, you hear what Colin Cowherd has to say about Mac Jones, and uh, not a not a profound take, but one in which, because of what he saw last night watching the uh, New England Patriots, he feels like he knows exactly who Mac Jones is. We will get we will get to that. Uh, there is one thing that we're not really uh, we're not really talking about, right? Not really talking about, which is. You know, last year, as good as those young quarterbacks were, let's remember they're playing in environments where it was sterile. It was quiet. I mean, I mean, Aaron Rodgers on the road can, you know, you can, you can turn to your teammate and literally say within your own quarterback language what you want a guy to do because there was no, you could pipe in crowd noise, Indianapolis Colts style. Right? But there was nothing you could do really because it weren't fans. If there's one thing we've seen this summer, or maybe even the spring when we started to have people in attendance, or you look at whether it's the fights in the stands at the NBA games, the concerts we've seen like La La Palooza, right? Uh, the crowds this year are going to be bigger and I think more, more boisterous than ever. Now, the, the truth is that NFL crowds generally, this is a generalization, but generally uh, in terms of the noise level on the field, they're they're not they're not college they're not college fans. It's not as crazy. There are some places traditionally which have been more difficult than others because of noise. You know, back when Denver played in Mile High, even now in Invesco, it's still pretty loud environment, right? The Raiders, one would expect this is their first year with fans in the stands in Vegas plus the black hole. There's I mean you're playing you know night games in Vegas, dudes are gonna be liquored up. Like it's that will be an obscenely good atmosphere. New Orleans has always been good. But but the point which is to me interesting, none of these teams and these young quarterbacks have played on the road in a hostile environment in the NFL yet. And the environments should be more hostile than they were before we all got shut down. San Francisco is still going to be lame because it's not in San Francisco, and it's it's just the way in which the stadium's constructed. It's not going to be, but Seattle won't be. That'll be a that'll be a beast. We don't know about L. A. Although I do think that the Rams, one, you got Aaron Donald to worry about, I do think the Rams are, have really started to get a footprint because they've consistently been in the play, in the playoffs. They're still with the L. A. teams. The problem is that people in L. A. are just as big of fans as the visiting teams, even more so than they are the home teams. But Vegas, Seattle, Denver, Kansas City, Indy, uh, I, I even think Dallas, um, Arizona, like some of these they're gonna be a zoo. And and even some of the quarterbacks who last year as rookies or as second year guys were able to become cool, Cleveland, able to be uh kind of kind of kind of cool as cucumbers. I think it'll be harder this year. Remember, you're not going from, you know, sterile environment to a calm environment. You're going from a sterile environment to a bit of a crazy environment. And it'll be even more crazy this year because fans haven't been part of the game. And it's pretty obvious that fans think they're a bigger part of the game than maybe they are. I I think that you watch. Home road records are going to be a bigger split this year than they have been going back to last year. All right, I saw this story, and I thought it was really clever. I thought it was cool, but there's I have questions about it as well. So uh, BYU, uh, first, you know, it it's a formerly great football program. And when you when when we were kids, if you're in your 40s, when we were kids, you got to go back from the Steve Young, uh, Jimmy Man's a little before my time, the Steve Young, uh, Coy and Ty Detmer. Uh, You kind of go through and they had quarterback after quarterback. And uh, when they played in the WAC, they were lighting up scoreboards. Lavelle Edwards was an amazing coach and they were a nationally competitive team. Never felt like they had the defense to stop anybody, but offensively they, they, they threw that thing around. It was awesome. So of course they have the number two overall pick um, in Zach Wilson in the NFL draft. Outside of that, you know, how many of you had really paid attention to BYU football till you heard this story? Every BYU walk-on is going to get a name, image, and likeness deal while playing at BYU from a Utah-based brand called Built Brands. Built Brands make Built Bars. Um, and uh, Kalani Satake, who, who, of course, the head coach BYU from the beginning of the NIL discussion, my hope was it changes – that the changes to the NCAA rules and regulations would provide a pathway forward for all players to benefit more fully from their name, image, and likeness, especially walk-ons who sacrifice so much to make our program great. Uh, Nick Greer is the CEO of Built Brands. He's kind of enough to spend some time with us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on... Fo- fo- oh, we don't don't have the on. Right, we're getting, getting him. So he's going to join us in a second. But this is interesting because the truth is that name, image, and likeness... Is supposed to be like in theory. Theory, it was supposed to be for players who their value exceeds that of the scholarship that they get. This obviously goes counter to that and says, "Hey, look, man, we just we just want to help kids out who have to pay for school to not be able to pay for school." Nick Greer, G- Greer joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, when did you start Built Bar?
12: Doug, how are you? Uh, it was about three years ago.
4: Okay, so you just started, like, it, we're kind of in the protein bar, everybody eating healthy healthy phase. W- w- what was the niche? What was the, uh, this is what people are missing on that we want to create?
12: <laughs> uh, how about taste? What if we start with that first? And, you know, actual experience itself. And so, you know, for us, it's, uh, it's a great replacement for uh, protein bars, but it's also a great replacement for a candy bar.
4: Uh, agreed. Uh, agreed. Okay, so um the connection with BYU is what?
12: Uh it's an incredible one. An awesome one. Uh you know, been around, uh, been a fan for years, but also been following them for years and absolutely love what they're doing there, love what coach Satake is all about and and uh, so it's been it's been a, a long incredible relationship.
4: Um now, did you go there?
12: I did. Barely. Okay. They barely let me in. It took me four tries, and so on the fourth try, um, they finally they, they had a little mercy and they thought, you know what, we'll let this kid in. And so yeah, it took me a little bit of an effort.
4: What is college? This is just from from a, for a regular college. Like, what is college life like? Remember, if you go to BYU, you have to sign an honor code. The honor code: there's no sex, there's no drugs, right? There's 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 no no drinking. Um, you know, you're everything is shut down on Sundays. I know some of that has loosened up. Some of that has has opened up having to spend a lot of time, um, uh, in Utah, even on, even on Sundays recently, what is college life like at BYU as a student?
12: I know it's funny. I think you were even saying that I'm like, isn't that great? You know, isn't it great? I mean, uh, um, sexual purity and, and, uh, moral cleanliness and trying to make you a better individual and saving yourself for the future to, for your future spouse. I mean, college life is you know it's fun um, it's different um, is it unique compared to maybe other colleges yeah of course but are we normal human beings that like to have fun and and uh, and do college life type stuff absolutely um, we're not weird you know but it's uh, it's definitely a, an awesome opportunity it's an honor to go to Brigham Young University that's for sure
4: you know, now, this is not your first, like, good works, right? Didn't you start a foundation that you provide bags full uh, every Friday for needy children in the Alpine School District area? I mean, I mean that, that's what you've done previous to this in terms of your good works, right?
12: Well, it's not just, I mean, uh, listen, first off, there's a lot of kids who go hungry on the weekend, and uh, there's thousands upon thousands of kids along the Uh, The Wasatch Front here in Utah alone, but across the United States that get food during the week from the school system. But on the weekend, they go hungry. And so we we try to help where we can. And we feed about 2,000 children every weekend, um, you know, to take food home. So they actually have an opportunity of staying in school and staying up with their classmates, being fed, being nourished. And, you know, just trying to just trying to do a little good and trying to help out these these incredible uh, elementary-age kids.
4: Okay, so uh, how'd you come up with the idea of the name, image, and likeness for the walk on to BYU? <laughs> it,
12: Doug, you know, it, it's interesting. When you create a business, build a business, you always have to think outside the box. you got to differentiate yourself. You're constantly pivoting, and, you know, no difference with NIL. Um, you know, it's it's at the early, early stages. It's a bit of the wild, wild west, and... We're all trying to figure it out. And so when we heard that this was coming down the pipeline, we knew we wanted to do something different. In fact, even late last year, we were talking about, you know, do we go out to bang with um, one athlete? But nothing. That never felt right. And, uh, and you know, on July 1st, when it, um, when it went live, uh, you know, we had hundreds of athletes reach out to us, collegiate athletes, and asking us, hey, open for business. I thought, you know, we can do something with them that's great, but we've got to do something differently. Um, we've got to do something that's unique. And what, what do we stand for? What are we all about? And, you know, when we, when we figured out BYU and what they stand for and, and there's so many other colleges out there that uh, are similar, uh, we thought, you know, how do, we, how do we help out all the kids, all the athletes, all these boys? I shouldn't call them kids. They're men. And, uh, and it's not about one individual. It's about the entire team. And, you know, when this all came about, it just clicks and it makes sense. And when things just flow and they're natural, it's like, okay, you run with it and you attack it. And that's what we were able to do with coach Satake and especially with all 123 players, I should say.
4: Okay. So here's the question I have. So, so title nine, and I don't know the exact wording of the rules, but as I've been told, like one of the things that, that the implementation of title nine has done is it's cut down the number of walk-ons because in order to have, if you have a men's team walk-ons, you have to have, uh, women's team women's walk-ons, team. you have to right. uh, e- e- equal numbers. Even if they're not on scholarship, they have to be the same number. Was there any concern when you provided this to the walk-ons at BYU that you ha- would have to do it for a women's team as well?
6: Uh,
12: no, I mean, listen, we're not done. You know, This isn't over. This is not you know one and done, uh, which is a common statement we all hear in the sports world. I mean, it isn't. This is just the tip of the iceberg in um, what we want to do, and hopefully we can help other sponsors and other businesses actually do the same thing and realize they can make an impact with the team. And, you know, men or women that help these collegiate athletes to, to really rise up, make a difference. Cause there's a lot of future leaders, you know, out there that are playing collegiate sports right now. They're going to go change the world. It's like, why not help accelerate what they can do specifically with school and in their endeavors and give them an opportunity to learn their brand, their own personal brand, build that up. So when they leave school, man, they're off and running whether it's men or women, but we're not done. This is just the beginning.
4: Okay, it's interesting, though, because I'm, I'm wondering, have there been more kids that are like, hey, you know what, I want to walk on now at BYU because now <laughs> they found out it's free.
12: I don't know. I don't know. I was asked even earlier, are other schools, did they be at disadvantage now that, you know, the uh, Alabamas of the world are going to be able to, uh, to offer this? And, uh, you know, I, I hope that these players are taken care of, you know, but I hope it's more on a team mindset instead of an individual mindset. You know, at the end of the day, that's what matters. And I think that's what we need to discuss is, all right, this is about a team. How do we teach these kids, these young men and young women, um, you know, the the power of team? Because that's what they've been growing up with. And because it turns into an I and a me mindset instead of a we and a us mindset. And so I, I hope this dialogue continues, and I hope that other companies can step up and say, you know what? Let's go make a difference, and let's go help out these teams whether it's, you know, women's volleyball, men's golf, or whatever it may end up being, like, how do we go do that? And uh, that's what we get excited about, Doug.
4: What if the cynic says, hey, th- this is not altruism. This is just a brilliant way of marketing, right? Because anybody can do, like you said, anybody can do one guy. But if you do walk-ons and nobody else has done walk-ons, now of a sudden you're on national radio, you're on national TV, everybody like, this is a really cool story, but it's really more about marketing than it is about the kids themselves. What would your pushback be?
12: I don't. You come, come to Provo. You tell me if it's about marketing. You know, come visit face to face. You go, go look in the eyes of these young men, and you tell me what they feel. Um, Is it about the marketing? Is it about the brand, as far as built um, is concerned, or is it about them? And uh, you know, cynics will be cynics at the end of the day. But uh, listen, the proof is in the pudding, Um, and that's how we feel about this. And at the end of the day, it's all about these 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 men and women who are playing so hard. They're playing their tails off every single day. They're warriors. They're giving everything they've got to these schools. You know, let's help them. Um, let's help them. Let's give them you know something great. And uh, I hope the NIL goes down that path and gives them those opportunities.
4: Well, my dad was a walk on Ohio State. My brother was a walk on for two years at Drake. My roommates in college were walk on. So I I know firsthand the challenges or maybe secondhand, the challenges of being um, a walk-on on a Division I college sports team. I can't you know i can't thank you i think it's i think it's great i also do think it's brilliant marketing as well we appreciate <laughs> you joining us and we look forward we look forward hopefully we'll see some of these guys in the field right that's the big thing it's like look uh, co- coach awesome? now, I, I want to see these guys in the field not just celebrating when they get the, the room and bo- their their books now is it well, is it. it is it just books or do you get the room and board too cuz some people there's some discrepancy over what you guys are picking up
12: uh, it's all their tuition okay you know, it's all their tuition and so you know you look at someone like a tyler Algier, He'll, he may be one of the greatest running backs and walk-ons that BYU's ever seen, and now he's finally on scholarship. You know, there, there's so many of those players across the nation that are giving everything they got, and uh, they end up being scholarship. They end up going, walk on the NFL, NBA, WNBA, whatever it may end up being. I mean, let's give them some hope and uh, give them an opportunity to go out there and actually show what they're really made of.
4: Nick, I really appreciate you joining us. Great thing your company's doing. Thanks so much for joining us on uh, Fox Sports Radio.
5: Thanks, Doug. See ya. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
11: Or wherever you get your podcast
0: I'm Viosa, and I'm Mala we're the creators of Locatora Radio a radiophonic novela which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast welcome to Locatora Radio season 9 love, love at, at first, first listen, listen.